0: Hey guys, welcome to The Grounding. I'm your host, Jordan Kavuma, and I... Hey guys, welcome to The Grounding. I am your host, Jordan Kavuma, and this podcast serves as your space to find clarity and grounding in your creative business. So I know the intro sounds a little bit different today. Um, I was having some technical difficulties, so I decided to just keep it raw and scrap it and just dive straight into my conversation that I am having today with Jamie Fairman of Forage Plants. So if you are into this houseplant movement, this green jungle, all of it, love it, then you need to be knowing who Jamie is and her business Forage Plants. She has been able to grow what started as just one small little location in Louisville, Kentucky into three locations in Louisville, Lexington and Denver, Colorado, as well as an e-commerce site for plants. Like she's literally shipping plants to your house. It's the craziest thing. But Jamie has been a good friend of mine for about five years now. I actually met her because I went to go check out her plant shop when it had just opened and she just ha- so happened to have some studio space available and I was looking for studio space and it was just kismet. It was amazing. So um, we have been friends ever since. If you listen to episode one of season one, I gave Jamie a bit of a little shout out because she's really been there from the beginning whenever I was really getting just kind of my feet under me with running a creative business. And our conversation today just proves that she really, she knows her stuff when it comes to what she is trying to create and the brand that she's trying to create. And what we're specifically talking about is how to scale um, while making good decisions, which I know is what we all want to do, but sometimes it's just hard to know how to execute that. And so I wanted her to tell her story You might not necessarily be opening brick and mortar locations. You might not necessarily be running an e-commerce space, but the things that she talks about with running her numbers and growing her team and how to become a leader that um, people are going to be excited to follow is just really valuable information for everybody. So thanks for sticking with me through this week's technical audio difficulties. Hopefully next week's podcast episode, will have... The music back because I know I like to listen to it, but if not, we will keep rolling. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know I can't wait for our conversation, so I wanted to bring you on to talk because. This season, we're focusing on scaling your business, and since you're such a good friend of mine, I have got to watch you grow your business at, with Forage over the last few years, and so I wanted to just have you give some insight into how that process has been and what you've learned along the way, so why don't we just start off by you giving the backstory? of how you got started with Forage, what Forage is for listeners that don't know, and how your journey has been to where you're at today. Yeah,
1: this is so exciting. So for anybody that doesn't know, Jordan has been, um, I always call it the Forage fam from day (laughs) one. So Jordan actually had her studio in Forage for a while, and then we all grew up and we had to go. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) Um, so anyway, Forage, Forage is um, a plant shop. It's, um, It's in its third location now, but a little bit of the backstory is honestly kind of similar to a lot of what a lot of people go through, or at least I think so. Um, so I was sitting in virtually like the best corporate job, um, and I was moonlighting my other business, State Narrow Design Company, which is a floral design company on the side of that. Um, but I was sitting there in that corporate job and it was a cool company, but honestly, I still felt so passionless and so unmotivated uh i truly um didn't understand why people would want to work more than 40 hours in a week <laughs> it's kind of funny now and i'm sure a lot of small business owners can relate to that because even when we're not working we're pretty much working so You're thinking uh, about it <laughs> i'm thinking about it and i have to write that next email or write the running list of tomorrow's activities like all of those things um And so uh, I had literally just landed this job. I'd I'd only been there for like six months and I had gone on a break to go visit my family. And I guess my dad could just like sense something in me. And he was like, hey, like no BS. Like what do you actually want to be doing? Because this was seemingly like a really cool job and I could just see it in your heart that this isn't what you want to do. And so like I had kind of been talking with uh, my business partner with State Narrow, adria about like I really want to get out of corporate. Like I'd love to do State Narrow by itself, but like I don't know how to. Like the wedding industry is so up and down. Like I don't know if that's going to be my only support system. And we had gone on a couple adventures together to some plant shops. One in Columbus, one of my favorite shops up there, Stump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like well, Louisville doesn't really have anything like that, and at the time it didn't. Yeah. And it- well, I like plants. And I was like, I think I'm just gonna like see what it looks like. So I started to really dive into like what opening a retail shop looked like, because I have never spent a day in retail up until that point. Like, actually, that's a lie. I spent um, two weeks at Abercrombie & Fitch in college. Oh, yes. (laughs) Super (laughs)
0: professed in that world. So professional.
1: So professional. Um, So that those little two weeks, um, with little 18 year old me wasn't really going to cut it. So I really had to teach myself the business and Mm. where I kind of started was drafting out budgets. Like what does a store budget look like? What does the overhead cost? What does it actually cost to open this? Mm. And so I ran my numbers I ran them again, I made a budget, I did mock um, profit loss statements, and then um, once I got those figures, I ran my own personal budget, because, you know, I got to eat, got to yep. live, I made a yep. bills. <laughs> so I ran the numbers for myself of, like, what does it take me to live on, like, what is the bare bones amount? And that means like, I'm not going out and getting my nails done. Like it was literally to eat and pay the bills and keep the lights on kind of thing. Yeah. And once I got that figure down and I was like, okay, like I'm going to be balling on a budget, but I'm going to go for it. And, um, so I found a, cute little shotgun house that I turned into a retail shop. It was pretty affordable considering what commercial spaces can be. Um, mm-hmm. I, it took me about six months to find it. Um, so I did take a lot of time in that aspect, but I really um, kept to my budget and then I launched and it was me for quite a while. So that's, yeah. kind of the, that's the birth of forage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was originally started to support my dreams of doing state and arrow florals. And I I did that alongside of it. And I still do. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: um, as we'll go on in the story, that has kind of flipped a little bit, which is kind of cool and um, unexpected.
0: Yeah. So you opened Forage in, was it 2016? Yep, 2016. Yes, 2016. So you're going on year four or five now. Wait, four. four, four. Four what are we 2020? <laughs> twenty twenty. Yeah. Math. And so you had the one location here in Louisville. And then when did you expand to the second location? In Lexington? So
1: I um, opened up the Lexington store in September of 2019. So, or sorry, 18. <laughs> Again, math. Yep. Um, so then, <laughs> It's been about a year and a half since um, I opened the second location.
0: Okay. So then when you decided that you wanted to make that jump to open up, like you had had the one location, you were kind of getting your feet under you and figuring it out and you felt comfortable. And then you saw an opportunity for a second location. What were some of the, like metrics or hard facts or just benchmarks that you were looking for to give you a little bit of confidence that this wasn't going to be a flop. Like there's always a risk that you're taking when you're going to pursue some kind of growth, but you were doing really well with Forge Louisville. And so what gave you the confidence to kind of feel like you could take on something else and maybe even disrupt the rhythm that you had found yourself in?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say that this is surely me speaking for my experiences only. Yeah, And this isn't Bible for anybody that's like, oh, well, I'm going to do the processes that she did. Uh-huh. But um, kind of how I knew that it was time to jump. So I, when I was operating Forage Louisville, again, it was me day in, day out for a long time. I was the every person, much like small business owners, are you're the shopkeeper, you're the manager, you're also the janitor. So, yeah. um, it was me saving that money. And when Forage started to earn more than um, I had thought it would, yeah. I started kind of putting that money away and reinvesting it in the business. Not only did I reinvest it in the Louisville store to grow the product offerings, I started to put that money away once I started toying around with the idea of what a second location would look like. And to be really honest, when I opened Forage, I never really expected to open a second store. Yeah. So it was just like, it kind of just came to me. I was like, I'm just going to see what, what it looks like, what the real estate looks like down there. Um, and I'm going to do the process all over again. I'm, going to write the budget. I'm going to run the numbers. I'm going to start thinking about what that looks like logistically for me because they are in two separate locations. So, um, once I started doing a little bit of discovery down in Lexington, it ended up being super affordable. Um, I also chose a location um, that is up and coming. So the real estate prices are a little bit lower. Um, but I kind of took a little bit of a gamble on that, but kind of so the guy who is kind of developing that neighborhood, I gambled on him um Mm -hmm. to really develop it. I had seen the work that he had been doing in the area and really loved the businesses, and so I um kind of pulled the trigger on it. So Again, I started it over again, ran my numbers. What does it take for me to open up another store? But this time I wanted it to be comparable for what to what Louisville was offering. So my inventory had obviously grown at that time. So I needed to purchase a lot more, the uh, more than I had originally in the beginning of Forage. Yeah. So, um, it was pretty much the same startup cost. Now, when I started Forage, I had to invest in like, branding and web design and all those Mm -hmm. things. I got to take that away this time because I had that infrastructure built, but yeah, it, it just run the numbers. That's how I built the confidence in that and being sure of that. It wasn't going to financially break me.
0: Yeah. And I know, like, I know this about you just because we're friends, but like, I know that you don't like to run your business on credit. And so could you talk about that a little bit and how, cause I know that there are differing opinions on what people decide to do financially, but what do you feel like is your main conviction, I guess in that area as to why you've made that decision, especially with operating like a retail store that has such a large inventory and things like that.
1: Yeah. So when I started this, I, did not, I don't want to be in debt to anything. And Mm -hmm. that means feeling like I'm indebted to my business that at the end of the day, even if I tried my hardest and it didn't work out, I could comfortably walk away from it and not feel the burden for years to come. So that was a personal choice of mine. And I 100% am not saying that that is the correct way. I know that there are some small business loans out there. There are Mm -hmm. credit cards galore, which are more accessible than business loans, but obviously higher price. Yeah, (laughs) Um, That just was a personal choice of mine. And I still operate that way to this day. So any money that's coming in, um, I have continually just put it back into the business. And that means that I'm taking a little less money than I could potentially if I stopped wanting to like grow as much as I have. And and that's, that's just where I'm at as a personal choice.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. Cause I mean, what, like what you were saying, like there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think like, as long as you know, what you're getting yourself into. And so if you're going to go the route of no credit, then you are going to need to sacrifice a little bit more on the front end and not take as much money. If you're going to go the route of credit, business loans, credit cards, whatever it is, it's, you're going to need to have a lot of discipline and make sure that you're (laughs) paying those off and you're not getting yourself into a situation that you're not going to be able to get yourself out of. So I think it's just nice to hear the perspective, uh, like with people who've chosen different ways and why they've chosen different ways. So I think that's really helpful. But whenever you, cause so now you, you have Louisville, you have Lexington, you recently expanded to Denver and then you have e-commerce as well. Like you've taken forage online and people can purchase plants and have them shipped to them. So as all this is happening and all this is kind of expanding, what are some of the biggest changes that you've had to make structurally? Because in the beginning, it was just you. You were wearing all the hats and playing all the roles. But now that's physically impossible because you can't be at three locations at one time to run your store. And so whenever you were thinking about the structure of your business, what, and building your team and the people around you and the talent that you were going to bring in, like, what were the main things and the main changes that you had to make with the way that you were operating and running things in order to make it work?
1: Yeah, I think it's honestly just what you mentioned, structure. Mm. And, um, you know, if I could have talked to myself four years ago and had the foresight of knowing that I was going to scale, I would have had different advice for myself. And had I honestly known how to operate a retail business correctly, I would have done this for myself too. But that is creating a structure an infrastructure actually within the business. So as I've grown, I can no longer have that keep the lights on mentality or shooting from the hip all the time. There has to a little bit of strategy around that. And that's something, um, I'm currently going back and doing in my business. Now I'm writing the processes, the procedures, the training manuals, what the branding voice looks like, yeah. um, all of those things, things that I never really considered because orange isn't just solely a one man show anymore. You know, we've, we've grown our team more than ever and that there has to be a little bit of symmetry across the brand. And um, I'm very much a person that relies on how people feel in the store. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can't be taught or it can be taught, but like, how do you teach that? So I've had to go back and really dive into like what all of that looks like. So um, my advice to anybody is kind of write that out as you're going, when you are, wanting to open any business to really honest, like what does your brand look and feel like? What is the voice behind that? How do you want people to feel about your brand when they see it, when they see you, all of those things, um, do you plan on or do you have like a goal to hire on people? Okay. So what does that look like? Do you have a training behind that? Like Mm. these weren't things that I really considered. It was, just kind of like, Oh, it happens when it happens. And that just can't be it because, um, as your business grows, it thrives a little bit more on structure.
0: Yeah. I think it's hard. Like in the beginning, it's kind of, it's, I don't know if it's easier or if it's just more fun to have like the free spirited mindset of, Oh, we're just a family or we're a small, we're a small group of people. And, you know, we just love what we do. And so it happens. It just all comes together and it happens. But I think that that's kind of the, the fallback. And so I think a lot of it can sometimes hinge maybe on self-confidence, even of like allowing yourself to imagine that what you are creating could get to the point of needing to expand and have a team and believing enough in what you're doing to get you there. But I, th- I mean, I can totally see how in the beginning, it's easy to just not think about the future in that way, or not think about how you want to expand. And not everybody is going to grow a team of a dozen people, you know, not everybody is going to, to have something that large. But I think even like doing like what you were saying of putting down your, your brand voice and the emotions that you want people to feel whenever they interact with your brand. And then even having your systems and processes down on paper, even if it's just for yourself for like five, 10 years, it's just you. Well, then you've got it nailed down and you're going to be able to have consistency because there's going to be days where it's going to be a lot more difficult to pull that off. If you haven't, conditioned yourself and trained yourself and gotten yourself into a mindset of this is a business and this is real and this is something that I need to take seriously and so I think that's helpful just to think about doing it from the very beginning like that is that's an essential part of starting and it's not something that needs to come later it's something that needs to happen from the beginning regardless of how big you want this Business to become you know, but it's easy to when it's just one person I, I totally get it like it's so easy just to kind of fly by the seat of your pants and be free spirited and yeah, it's, it's,
1: super, it's super magical to be in the moment and 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 there's still going to be moments where that exists in your business, and that's something like I don't want to rip out of my business I don't want to rip that um part where it's just all procedures and structure 24 seven, I want people to have autonomy and individuality. But as I've grown, I've noticed that there are expectations of the people that also rely on you. And that's not just your team members, but that is your customer base.
0: Yeah. So
1: they have expectations and they want answers to questions and it's nice just to have that on um, the top of your list of like, how do I handle things that I didn't think I would, you know?
0: And it definitely builds trust. Like once, like if you're fumbling, people can see that you're fumbling and then they start to feel like maybe this isn't as legit as I thought it was, but whenever you can come at it, professionally but not in a not not stripped of creativity or personality or you know any kind of character that you want to give it but just professionally that's not a bad word like I think a lot of times like people in the creative community as soon as you use the p word they're like whoa wait 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 I don't work for corporate you know and you're like no 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 it's okay like
1: But it's also a a way of self-preservation as well, because it's a form of setting boundaries for yourself and business. So I can relate to always wanting to be the yes person. I will always say yes to everything, and I know that about myself. But what makes my team so valuable to me is that they know that about me, Mm. but we the procedures in place because of my lack of boundaries.
0: <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do.
1: <laughs> my team needs to have those boundaries around them, too. I don't need to set them up for failure.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, it's a way that you can care for them and be a good boss. I mean, what has that transition been like for you of moving from a one woman show to being an employer? Like, being a boss over people? Like, do you feel like it's been something that you've really had to process and grow into, or, you know, have you experienced different kinds of emotions with that shift?
1: Yeah. Um, so I had never been anybody's boss until Forage. Yeah. So I, again, am writing my own little handbook and a lot of that took, I took away from how I was treated in corporate. I took the things that I liked and got rid of the things that just didn't work for me. And I think that that's why a lot of people, um, want to quit the corporate life because they feel boxed into those things that don't necessarily work for everybody. Yeah. So those have been kind of my key, um, things going into it of like, what kind of boss do I want to be mm. now? Being a boss is super challenging because you're dealing with a lot of different working styles, personality types. Um, There's just a lot, but it's also super rewarding on the other end because my mentality has always been like, I want to invest in the future of my employees and I would love to invest in them and in hopes that my, my business keeps growing in a way that I can support their dreams as well as mine. Yeah. But if at the end of the day, like I'm not growing fast enough for them, I hope that I can provide them with the foundation to launch them into whatever role they pursue, whether it's with me or without me.
0: Yeah. So like a lot of just personal and professional development that you can offer Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. That's
1: Sometimes being a boss is hard, especially when you may not have the right matches, um, employment, like employment wise in your business. And sometimes you don't know that until they've been with you for a second. Mm -hmm. And that's when it gets hard. The, the thing about being a boss that kind of sucks for me is having that realization because like, I, I'm such a big believer, believer in people of all people, but then having that kind of Glass, glass break a little bit, and being like, "Oh, dang, that doesn't really fit the mold of how I want the business to feel, to translate, and all of that." And and yeah. can I work with this team member to grow them in a way that makes sense, or do I have to consider like other options for them, which yeah. is the hardest thing, you know? Or they no longer feel the passion for the business that they once did, and that that sucks, but that happens, you know. Yeah. Like I I try to be the best boss I can, but I always can't keep that passion alive. Um, if they have other things they want to pursue, um, I just want to help them the best that I can.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the way life goes sometimes, <laughs> like it can't just be magical 24 seven. So I think that's just reality. Yep. But, so with the growth that you've had recently, cause I know that like it's been a season of busy growth with Forage. Do you ever envision just a season of maintenance or, you know, hey, we're going to hang out here for a while and hunker down and do what we're doing? Or do you kind of have this vision of it just, you just keep riding it and see how far it can go?
1: Yeah, I think I'm actually there. (laughs) That season of maintenance for me and for the business is is upon me, and part of that is with the addition of the Denver location. I need to let that marinate a little bit. Um, yeah. Something I didn't talk about was there's failure in business, and um, I consider while Denver's not a failure, I think that the way it kind of came to fruition. I failed it a little bit in the sense of I didn't get back to my roots, to the base mm. what I did with the other two stores. I didn't run the numbers, you know, like I kind of leapt on this one, leaped on this, sorry, <laughs> leaped <laughs> on this one. And um it and, and while Denver's a much more expensive city, everything's expensive, all of these yeah. things, I kind of overshot it a little bit and Right now, I just need that season of maintenance to love and nurture that store like no other, hmm. and to really get back down to the grassroots. I need needed to treat this business, um, the Denver one specifically, as a startup again because Forage is doesn't have brand recognition in Denver. Yeah, nobody nobody knows me from Adam, and. Um, I think naively I thought, you know, like I'll build it and they will come. And <laughs> and what I might have worked for uh whatever that movie was, but uh
0: Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, yeah. Field of Dreams.
1: <laughs> it's not always true. You know, like I needed to be boots on the ground, I needed to be out there talking about my brand, who I am, what I'm about, all of those things well before the launch of Denver. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that Denver is, you know, doing what it needs to do, but I have ambition for that store. Yeah. So, um, that, that's like where my failure is. So I'm in the season of maintenance of nurturing the business, but also nurturing myself. Like, yeah. Talk about burnout so much and we can't sit there and just push on the gas all the time. It's gonna yeah. come at a detriment to you and eventually you'll start to see yourself underperforming as a boss in your own role. And so I am taking this season of um season to maintain myself and my mental health and all of those things and really yeah. build things up for myself.
0: Yeah, that's so good to hear. I mean, I think it's something because growth is way more flashy and sexy than maintenance, you know, like when people, you you want to talk about the new things and what you're doing next and what you're doing next. But sometimes I think the most powerful seasons in business can be the maintenance seasons of really nurturing what you've worked so hard to build. And that's when you start to see crazy fruit from that. And you get to start experiencing the joys of what you've poured yourself into. And so I think it's so good to hear you talk about how you are seeing that now of like, you were able to see like, Hey, this is my transition. I need to make this transition. And you're not just still trying to put like pedal to the metal of, but let's chase the next thing. Let's chase the next thing. Let's chase the next Mm -hmm. thing. Cause it can be so tempting too to. It totally is.
1: And I of course have goals and ambitions for the Forage brand, but I also have to like check in with myself and have a reality check that Mm -hmm. it's time to maintain. It's time to build the infrastructure. It's time to rest. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, do you ever struggle with like this vulnerability, I guess, but with thinking if I don't do it now, somebody else is going to do it And I'm going to miss my chance.
1: Oh, yeah. FOMO all day. Yeah. But, like, you just can't let your hubris sit there and push you to your limits. Like, that's just not – it's just not smart for yourself. So it's really fighting against all of the things that you wish that you can do and things that you can do and realize that you need to check in and you have to do what's best for you. And really – Take account of your business it's time to shore things up it's time to get focused and just let it let those things grow that you have built or yeah. Yeah, like you don't need to sit there and push it
0: yeah no that's it's so good I mean it's easier said than done a hundred percent, but I think the more that we talk about it and the more that we we have that conversation and kind of shift it into Hey, your business is important, but it's not more important than, you know, your mental health or your physical health or your relationships or anything like that. And if you keep doing the hard work and you're consistent and you pace yourself and pay attention to what you need to pay attention to, like you're going to see progress and you're going to get to like reap the benefits of what you're working on. But I think so many times, like, cause we live in just a a flashy like show me world where people just want to see you like announcing your next big thing like what's your next big launch and we don't celebrate enough like consistency we don't celebrate quiet dedicated hard work and so I think it's just helpful to hear that and just to be excited about that for people whenever they enter into that season of hey, I'm gonna sit and I am going to enjoy what I've created and I'm going to nurture that and I'm going to like give it the attention it deserves. Like we just need to celebrate it and we need to be excited for people when that happens in their life and not just the the crazy big flashy stuff that, you know, people yeah, are talking about.
1: Absolutely. I think so often we get wrapped up in the big victories that we forget to celebrate all the small ones in between. And I am n- Yeah. For ignoring those things. It's my personality type. It's like, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. That's just not it. Like, there's so much to celebrate in business. The tiny victories are what lead up to the big ones. You mm-hmm. know, like all of the hard work that my team does is meaningful. Like, I want to make sure that they also feel rest and that yeah. they celebrate it. Like, I want a good company culture. And that means not pushing them further than they need to be either. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good thought to like the idea that like, you are like, you're the flavor of your company. And so if it's just you, you're the flavor of your company because it's just you. And if it's you and five other people, you're still the flavor of your company because they're going to follow your lead because you're the one that started this whole thing. And so thinking of what kind of culture you want. And you would never want your team members to run themselves ragged. Like you would never want your team members to go off three hours of sleep at night. You would never want your team members to skip meals and be stressed out. And so if you don't want that for them, then why should you ever want that for yourself? And you need to hold yourself to like the same standard that you would want for other people who are working within your business. I feel like that's a good thought of You know, what kind of culture do you want to set? Whether you're one person or 20 people, you're still creating some kind of culture that, you know, a mindset, even if you want to put it that way, like that works within your business. And so you need to be really intentional about what that is going to be because it's what's going to, what's going to happen over and over and over again. And it's hard to dig yourself out of it. Yeah. Um,
1: Completely agree on that.
0: Yeah. Seriously. Well, okay. So if somebody, we've talked about so many good things, but if somebody say that they are in the spot that you were at with forage, whenever you're getting ready to launch Lexington. So you were doing a good thing. You were seeing, you know, a good response and growth. Your business was working. It, you know, you were you were succeeding. And then you had this idea of, let me shake it up a little bit. I think I'm going to step out and try this new thing and grow this thing. So if somebody is in that same boat of working hard in their business and seeing great results, and now they think that they want to take the next step, what do you feel like would be the best advice that you can give to somebody in that situation? They've never tried to scale before. They've, you know, just been working hard at what they've been working at. And now they're about to step out on like kind of this first, like, all right, let's see how this goes (laughs) kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm I started this business on the foundation of numbers. So run the numbers and run them again. Like I told you my failure with Denver was not doing that, you know, like Mm -hmm. I got burned and it snapped me back down to the reality I needed. So that's my step one. I, I think you need to think about your financial health. And then the other part is your mental health. So you are about to expand your brand, whether it's a new location, a new division, you gotta remember that you only have so much time in the day. There is only one you. So what does that look like? What does your time look like divided? So you have to put a little bit of strategy around that. Um, If you are scaling in a way that means you're growing your staff, you have to trust your employees. And you have to build the trust um, so that they trust you as well. This is twofold. Uh, And that can be a scary thing sometimes. You know, it's like it's your baby and you have to let go. And like, I get that. (laughs) I totally get that. But um, I I just think that you need to let your employees know that you're invested in them as much as they are invested in you. I would be nothing without them. I would not be where I am without them. I would not be able to scale because I cannot physically be in three locations. Yep. <laughs> uh, but to that point, make sure, again, make sure you have the numbers dialed in. Make sure that your schedule allows you to be able to step back from the day to day operations and start leading from above a little bit and to strategize um, and then trust your team. And plan, 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 and write it all down.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that's super helpful. I mean, I think the numbers can be scary a lot of times because, I mean, it's hard to sit down and gather all that up and to make these projections. And then also, really, I think a lot of people have a hard time facing the reality of what the numbers show because it's hard to, to fudge numbers, you know, like when you're being really honest and real about what's been coming in and what's been going out. And sometimes that can be a harsh reality and it's not as pretty as you want to imagine it to be. And so I think just like emphasizing that, like you have of, you cannot grow if you don't do this first or else you're going to get yourself into a really bad situation is just a good reminder. And sometimes we have to do hard things and uncomfortable things and things that we would just rather not be doing. We'd rather like just spend the day dreaming and creating and doing what we love. But I think that's just a good reminder that it's just, it's an essential part of being a responsible business owner. Who's going to see longevity in their business. And this isn't just like something we're going to try out right now. And then somehow it'll magically all come together. Like there's hard work involved and that, Includes doing some math but that we don't really like to do sometimes. <laughs> you no, know,
1: the adulting part of it and looking at the numbers is terrifying. Yeah. Like, I so much hate opening my mail sometimes looking at numbers, but I have to have a reality, you know, like I have to check in with myself, my financial health, all of that, because it could come crumbling down and you don't. Uh, And I mean, like, even with hard work, like you just don't want to misstep and stretch yourself so much that your, your business
0: is suddenly on top of you. Mm, Yeah. So whenever you first started with, um, before you opened Forage at all, and you were running those numbers, were you doing that? like yourself, or did you have some kind of financial advisor or accountant or something like that, that you were working with?
1: So I personally did it myself. Um, you know, I, I did the spreadsheets in Excel. I ran projections, numbers, profit loss, like what is going to be my profit margin, all mm-hmm. of those. And profit margin includes your salaries. So, yeah. And, and and I think we forget that sometimes when we're paying ourselves, like what is our business actually going to make? Yeah. Uh, so I did those all myself. Um, and again, if I could tell myself four years ago what to do. And it would have been hire some professionals to help you get started. I wish so badly from the get go I would have hired an accountant. I wish I would have hired an attorney to make sure everything is set up correctly. Because Mm. um, I had to go back in business and and do all of those things that again aren't fun (laughs) to do because it's a bigger reality. So, um, mm-hmm. it was probably about a year in that I was like, Oh dang, like this is getting on top of me. Like I'm behind on doing, um, my expenses and all of that. And I wish so badly that I would have just handed that off because I'm not good at the, at the running the numbers part. I can do it, yeah. but that's not why I started business. And that's not why a lot of us start businesses to yep. sit there, run the numbers, do the taxes, do this and that. Sometimes it's nice to sit back and take some financial advice from professionals.
0: Yeah. And I think it sounds, I know for me at least, before I hired an accountant, like it sounded so expensive. And it was like, how am I going to afford an accountant? I don't have enough money for an accountant. And I mean, yes, it is an investment, but honestly, and I am not just saying this, my accountant has saved me more money than I have ever paid them. And so I think when we can just be really honest about that, like professional help that is truly valuable and prioritizing those things in our budget where it's like, okay, well maybe I'm not going to, you know, get full, uh, like a full web design right now. Like maybe I'm going to work off Squarespace template for a little bit until I can afford something. But the priority right now is going to be this, you know, not really exciting professional help that's going to help me build like a really strong foundation and then whenever i can start affording like a custom website or you know big like a big fancy booth for a market that i'm going to go work at or something like that then we can start spending money on those areas but i think whenever you're trying to think long term about how you're going to grow this in a solid way, then we need to start thinking a little bit more practically about how we're going to spend the money in our budget. And sometimes that means an accountant or legal help. If you're needing to work with contracts or things like that, because I, I guarantee you you're spending less on that than you are like a full web design, but it's not as fun to spend money on an accountant as it is a full web design, you know, so sometimes it's hard to make those decisions.
1: Totally. is like, I don't want to spend money on my accountant, although she is the most valuable part of my team, because what you said in the end, she has ended up saving me more money because if I were doing this by myself, like I did in the first year of business, like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like what, no. Is a section? Uh, what can I write off? All of those things. But she does. She, she has the education behind it. She's been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. So
0: I find her an invaluable part
1: of the forage team.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, it's good. It's so good. And we don't want to admit it, but we need to act like adults sometimes and make adult
1: decisions.
0: (laughs) Sweet. Well, Jamie, seriously, this conversation was so good. I know it's going to be so helpful, but if people want to learn more about what you do or just see what all this fuss is about with forage, or maybe they're in Denver and they want to come check you out, how can they find you? Yeah.
1: So the best way to kind of get a feel on what we're doing is over on our Instagram and it's at Forage Plants. Um, yeah. So that kind of gives you everything that we're doing, all the fun things, what we have in store. Uh, you can drop us a line. Uh, we and answer hundreds of questions a day personal questions sometimes, but primarily plant questions. So if you have a little plant that's struggling because winter.
0: Yeah. Yep. Jamie has saved many a plant of mine. So I can attest to the knowledge that comes from forage plants. <laughs> it's, it's real guys. They're not just like slinging plants. They really know what they're talking about. Um, sweet. Well, I will throw all of that in the show notes so that everybody can find it easily. But seriously, I really appreciate you doing this episode with me. It was incredibly helpful. I know that people are going to love all the stuff that we talked about, and I'm really excited for everything that's going on with Forage and even State Narrow and just you personally. So really thankful for you doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for
1: having me, and thanks for tuning in, people. I uh, hope to hear
0: from some of you. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay thank you guys for listening to my conversation with Jamie. I hope you loved it. If you did, I would love to hear what resonated with you the most. And the best way that you can give that feedback is to leave a review in Apple podcasts. So just go to the grounding on Apple podcasts, you can search for it and then click on reviews, and then you can leave your own. It really helps this podcast grow and expand and for more listeners, just like yourself to find us and join our community. And I'm super thankful that you're here and that you're listening and that you are committed to growing a business that is going to be around for the long haul. So I will talk to you guys next week. See you later.